Here's what's coming up on today's show. Some people have a lot of resources saved, IRAs, 401ks. Some people don't. So wherever the source of your income is going to be, just make sure you know how it's going to get taxed at the state level. There are many factors that contribute to success, skill, good work habits, positive mental attitude, and of course, proper planning. So let's head to the drafting table and get this retirement success blueprint underway with Michael Stewart of Crystal Lake Tax and Financial. I'm your co-host, Mark Killian. Let's get started. Welcome into another edition of the podcast. Once again, Michael Stewart and I here to talk about retirement success and the retirement success blueprint is the name of the podcast. Don't forget you can subscribe to us and find us on whatever podcasting platform app should you choose to do so. And it's all uh, online, whatever, you know, Apple or Google or Spotify or whatever one. But you can also just go to Mike's website and make it easy on yourself. Find all the information there at crystallaketax.com. That's crystallaketax.com. And on this edition of the podcast, we are going to talk about uh, 10 questions for retirees, tax questions for retirees in 2023. What's going on, Michael? How are you? I'm doing great. It is one day closer towards spring. That's so right. Every every day is a good day. It's the short month, and we're halfway through it. So it's the shortest one of the year. So it's, uh, it's good. We're moving our way along. You know, Retirement comes with a lot of ta- uh, tax questions, which obviously you're well aware of after your two plus decades of doing this. So, from an understanding with tax implications, Mike, and you know which accounts to pull from at what time, and you know being efficient, we talk about these things all the time. Uh, it certainly can overwhelm folks who are not used to dealing with it. So, on today's episode, let's kind of run through you know, the top ten questions uh, ish. We'll kind of see how many we can get through here. I think we can get through ten. Um, you know, that retirees have and things to think about for this current year, for 2023. Obviously, it's mid-February, so many people are already have doing their taxes or they might be right in the throes of it or whatever the case is. So definitely check this one out. It might have some information that could be beneficial for you. So let's dive in, get started. Number one, what are the tax implications of withdrawing money from retirement accounts, period? Yeah, for a lot of times with retirement accounts. Now we're talking about like thrift savings plans, IRAs, 401ks, those kind of things. Right, Could the alphabet soup, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Could even be your, you know, your pension. A lot of individuals, retirees come to us on the tax side, like through our tax practice. And all of a sudden they're like, hey, you know, first year retirement, you owe five grand, 10 grand in taxes. Like, wait, 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 I always get a refund. What are you talking about? Because they didn't realize that you know, your pension on the federal side is going to be taxable. Depending on what state you're in, it may or may not be taxable. That when you take money out of your 401ks and your thrift savings plans and 403bs, all of those, that whole blue base of stuff, all of a sudden, most of that's probably taxable to you. So you took 20 grand out of your IRA. Guess what? You owe income taxes on that 20. And in addition to that, hey, I'm taking Social Security. Social Security is tax-free, right? Maybe. It is tax-free if that's your only source of income. But when you start throwing other taxable income in there, it can make up to 85% of even your Social Security taxable. So you definitely want to get a really good handle around what's taxable, what's not. And as you're building out your retirement income plan, just so you can start kind of, you know, either making estimated payments or withholding the appropriate amount so you avoid penalties, interest, and, you know, a nasty letter from the IRS. Right. Yeah. Well, and actually, that's number two, Mike. So you, you touched on that. So will my Social Security benefits be taxed? Yeah, how Social Security works as far as taxation is they use something that they call provisional income. Provisional income just says take half of your Social Security benefit plus all of your other taxable income. So that's your interest, your dividends, your capital gains, wages if you're working in retirement, and you know IRA distributions, 401k distributions. Now, if you are single, and then that number, half of your Social Security plus everything else, is over 24000 then yeah, 
anywhere between half to 85% of your Social Security can be subject to income tax. If you are married and that number is over 32,000, so once again, half your Social Security plus all of everything else taxable, if that's over 32,000, then 50 to 85% of that Social Security is going to get slid over into the taxable bucket. Mm, okay. Does it affect pensions as well? Does that get taxed differently from other forms of income? That's number three. So it depends on what state you are. So at the federal level, a pension is going to get taxed just as retirement income. So if you've got a $30,000 pension, you already have $30,000 of taxable income, independent of your Social Security, your IRA distributions, those things. Now, depending on what state you're in, so I'll give you a great example, is in the state of Illinois, you know, there's, it's the third highest property taxes in the country. It's not really a cheap place to live necessarily, you know, great, great community and, and resources and things and infrastructure, but from a, you know, cost of living standpoint, it's not really cheap. But right. if you're a retiree, take away property taxes. Illinois doesn't tax Social Security. Illinois doesn't tax pensions. Illinois doesn't tax IRA distributions or any kind of retirement distributions. So as a retiree outside of high property taxes, it's actually a really cost-effective place uh, to live as far as the taxation of your income. Whereas if you go just over the border in Wisconsin, Wisconsin doesn't tax Social Security, but they do tax IRA distributions. They do tax pensions if they're not a Wisconsin mm. pension. You know, so so that's where, you know, side by side, you want to start making these comparisons that you think it's cheaper one place, but it can go the other way. But that that's how pensions, you know, so it depends on what state you're in. Gotcha. OK, well, that's definitely good information to know. The SECURE Act. Obviously, the SECURE Act 2.0 introduced more changes at the very, very end of 22, and they're going to be rolling out over the next couple of years. Uh, once they've done that, will that affect retirement income or tax planning from that conversation standpoint? It does. And, you know, there's 4,000 pages associated with it. So they're still kind of rolling it out. Right. So we're going to do a training, you know, for, for clients and prospective clients on that as well. But kind of three really come to mind. One is required minimum distributions. So if you weren't 72 by December 31st of 2022, now your required minimum distribution goes to 73. And they're going to eventually over the next seven years or so phase it into 75. That's when the government forces you to take out money, whether you want to or not. They also increase the catch-up contributions. So now, as an example, if you're over 50, you could put about $30,000 into your 401k now, but not even including employer contributions. So they're, they're kind of giving you opportunities. You know, instead of $7,000, you put $7,500 in, in an IRA now. So there's extra catch-up contributions for those over 50. And probably another one, and this is going to be really interesting on the tax side because a lot of people haven't read how this works out. But since we have a tax practice, of course, we have is now, but typically, let's say you participated in a Roth 401k, right? So you took your money, you paid tax on it, and then invested it in a Roth 401k. So we grow tax free, which for many is a great idea. But if you got say a 3% employer match, that would go in the pre-tax 401k. So your money went in the tax free, but the employer money went in the pre-tax because the employer was getting a tax write-off by giving you the free money, right? So in the future, it would be taxable to you, but you still get the benefit. In the SECURE Act, one thing that they had is the employer can now make Roth employer contributions. So that 3% match in this example could actually go into your Roth, which is great, but here's the catch. That contribution now, because it's going into the tax-free account, is now subject to taxation for you, which means that all of a sudden, let's say you were putting $30,000 into your, 401, your Roth 401k, you knew you were paying tax on it because you know, that was your after-tax, tax-free account that you were doing. So that's fine. And now your employer kicks in, you know, another 3000 Well, that extra 3000 now goes in your Roth 401k, which is great because that's going to grow tax-free. 
But now on your W-2 come tax time, you now have $3,000 more taxable income than you thought you did because they put their contribution into the Roth. So just something to be aware of, and you know, we'll kind of shed light on it as time goes by. Okay, so number five is special tax deductions or credits for retirees. Any of that fall in there, or is that something t- totally different? Uh, from a Secure Act standpoint, it's kind of totally different. Okay. You know, there's different things like long-term care. There's different, you know, in a couple of years, in 2026, you know, we've got standard deductions going back down and, and those things. So, you know, right. everybody's situation is going to be a little bit more unique when it comes to special tax deductions or even just credits that are out there. But for now, it's kind of nothing's changed in, as far as 2023? Uh, correct. Okay. All right. Number six, how will my taxes change if I decide to move to another state? You kind of highlighted one possible aspect with the pension thing. Yeah. You just need to know how each state, you know, two different things. One is you know, what's the cost of living in that state? You know, I'll give you a good example on, you know, a lot of clients in Florida on both coasts. Sure. So in Florida, you know, cost of living is cheaper. Uh, the property taxes are cheaper. They also don't tax state income, uh, retirement income. So that's fine. Cost of but living is cheaper? Fl- oh, versus versus Illinois. Oh, versus Illinois. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So okay. it depends on, depends on where you're. Not if you're North Carolina or something. <laughs> I but, was like, you know, really? You know, <laughs> yeah, so it depends, depends on where, sure. you're, where you're starting from. Sure. Or where you're comparing it to. But then again, if you take a look at your homeowner's insurance, you take a look at your auto, look at the tax that you pay in your groceries, all of those things are actually significantly higher. You know, so when you run a, you know, side-by-side little Excel spreadsheet, you're like, well, wait, this is about the same. You know, it's, you know, you're just saving it in different buckets, but then it's costing you more in other ones. So you just want to know that's the first part, you know, really know what the true cost of living is. Second one is how does each state tax your specific retirement income. Because some people have pensions, some people don't. Some people have big social security, some people don't. Some people have a lot of resources saved, IRAs, 401ks, some people don't. So wherever the source of your income is going to be, just make sure you know how it's going to get taxed at the state level. All right. Great, uh, great points here. So we're going through the top 10 tax questions. We are on to, what are we on to here? Number seven, charitable contributions and retirement tax benefits. Uh, does that change again because we're in this, uh, you know, the big deduction thing that we're in under the current tax code? Does that make that plausible or less likely? Yeah. So in the past, typically before what they call the TCGA in 2017 or the Trump tax cuts, you had a low standard deduction, even if you were married. So you could not only write off property taxes and mortgage interest, but you could also write off charitable contributions. That went away with the Trump tax cuts because they doubled the standard deduction. So the average married couple that's retired, you know, would have to have a hurdle of over twenty five, twenty seven thousand dollars to get actually even begin to deduct the right, charitable right. side. Right, and of most it. of us just don't fall there. So correct, yeah, especially on the retiree side because many of them don't even have a mortgage anymore. You know, right. so they're not even right off that aspect. So, so when it comes to charitable contributions, uh, you could do things like donor advised funds. It's a little too specific to get through in here, but there's a way you can kind of pool all your multi year donations and through a donor advised fund to actually get tax credit one given year. Once you hit 70 and a half, you can do things that are called qualified charitable distributions. Make those charitable contributions directly from your IRA. So that way you're not paying income tax and then writing the check. It's just going tax-free from your retirement account. Okay. Uh, number eight is tax considerations of gifting money to the kids or grandkids. Anything there, Mike, that we should be aware of? What can we do in that as far as limits and does that benefit us at all? Yeah, uh, from a tax perspective, it really doesn't help you unless you're just trying to reduce the overall size of your state. But for gifting in 2023, you can gift anyone and everyone, whether it's kids, grandkids, brothers, sisters, nephews, nieces, or neighbors, family or otherwise, you can gift them up to $17,000 per person. So if you're married, that's 
17000 each, that's $34,000 that you could give anybody and everybody. If the kids were married, you can actually give them and their spouse a total of 68000 because basically you're giving each of them you know, $17,000 wow. on there. So yeah, if you want a gift, you can gift without having to file what is called the IRS gift tax form. Uh, now, a lot of times individuals will will fill it out if you're going to give out, let's say you're going to give them $50,000 or $100,000 towards purchase of a home or so. You can do that. And then, so the first $17,000 each doesn't count. And then anything above and beyond that, you fill out the gift tax form. And all that's really doing is telling the IRS you gave more than the annual limit but really that comes off the back exclusion for your estate down the road, which right now is a little over $12 million a person. So, you know, chances are for most couples, it won't matter that they happen to give away a few hundred thousand extra unless their total estate's more than 12 or $24 million. Gotcha. And I know this list was really for retirees, but if you're still working, does that help you at all reduce your total income if you're gifting money? Can you, are you, can you gift away income or is it still reported that way? No, great question. Yeah, it's, it's still reported. So okay. so it's always going to go to the individual that earned it. And you actually saw that a few years ago, even on alimony. It used to uh, be when up to, up to about five years ago, if somebody got alimony, then, you know, which is usually the higher earning spouse paying, you know, the lower earning spouse on there. That's the whole purpose of the alimony, right? For a lifestyle right. is, is what would happen is let's say, you know, I got divorced and I had to pay $40,000 a year to my ex-spouse. I could write that 40000 off my income, and then she would have to claim it as income on hers. Well, a few years ago, the IRS got rid of that and said, no, whoever earns it is the one that pays the tax on it, and then whoever receives it doesn't pay the tax on it. Mm -hmm. And you're like, well, that's not fair. And they would be right, by the way, by saying that. But if you think about it from a government perspective, who's got the higher tax rate, the person paying or the person receiving? Chances are the person paying. So basically, alimony after a, after a certain time period basically now is still taxable. You don't get a tax break when you pay alimony anymore like you used to in the past. Gotcha. Uh, number nine then, Mike, is we don't do enough love, I don't think, for small business owners sometimes when we do the podcast conversation pieces. Uh, and as a small business owner yourself, any tax issues with you know starting – a small or a side business even. Again, if the focus is retirees, many want to do that in retirement. If you legitimately want to have a side hustle, it could be small or it could be something you're trying to grow into some big corporation or so. Uh, it's a great pass through for expenses like self-employed health insurance, you know, that'll help offset some of the costs, give you some tax credits, pass through a lot of your startup expenses, your operating expenses. So, you know, as long as they're legitimate, it can be a reduction in, in income because you get to offset the expenses by the amount of income. So that'll control your taxes. The one thing to be very careful of, and we see it on the tax side all the time, somebody will kind of start something and the IRS just really has one main rule, you know, other than, you know, don't do anything, you know, against the tax code. Sure. The main rule is if you're going to have a small business, then you've got to actually make a profit at least once out of every three years. You can't just keep losing money for 20 years and never pay any taxes on the income that you got. Uh. Because it, if you haven't made money over, the, over any random three-year period, then they consider it a hobby because you're not actually making any money in that. So, you know, and you don't want them to reverse back the expenses that you took a tax credit for. I gotcha. And does that, do you need a DBA or anything? Can that be on your social security or do you need to set up some sort of a, you know, some sort of a tax uh, LLC or anything for that? Yeah, just just depends on the type of business that you have and the, and the personal liability you have. So if you know if you're out here, you got an Etsy store or something. Yeah, you could just do a, what they call a Schedule C, be a sole proprietor, do it under your name, do it as a doing business as as a DBA, or let's say if you're going to consult construction, 
right? And then get paid. Well, you're personally liable if you screw that up. So you might want to do an LLC or an S corp so that you take the personal liability. So you don't commingle your own personal assets with the business assets in case you get sued. Gotcha. Okay. And then that brings us to number 10 and I'm going to make that dealer's choice. Anything I missed that you would like to toss into the, to the fray here? Uh, probably the, one of the other biggest things that we have, whether it's for retirees or otherwise, is, you know, everybody wants to be a landlord. Everybody wants to be the property brothers, right? And, you know, have real estate <laughs> right, and, right. you know, passive income and all these great things. One of the things to be careful of is if you don't plan on keeping that property. So let's say you get a couple rentals out there, you know, they're doing okay. You're making some money. And then all of a sudden, five, 10 years later, you you plan on selling them because you're tired of fixing toilets and being a landlord then what happens is you've been getting a tax break called depreciation over all those years. And now let's say it also went up in value. You know, So you're selling it at a gain. You're like, okay, I know I owe taxes on the gain. What you also owe taxes on is the government now expects you to pay back all that depreciation. So a lot of times you can say, hey, I made $50,000 on this property as far as you know appreciation for the time I had it. But you might have also taken $50,000 of depreciation which is now you owe taxes on $100,000, not just the $50,000 gain. So there's some gotchas out there, but you know, just whatever advisory firm you're working with, whether it's ours or someone else's, just make sure that they've got a tax practice in-house that can kind of give you good advice along the way, not just on the investments, but also the taxes and other areas as well. All right, there you go. So there is 10 items to think about, 10 tax questions for retirees. Uh, in 2023. Don't forget to subscribe to the podcast on Apple, Google, or Spotify, whatever platform you like to use. Again, stop by if you've got some questions you want to have some time with Mike and the team at crystallaketax.com about any of the things we covered this week, crystallaketax.com. And drop a line to us if you want to as well. And we take those from time to time here on the show. We pick different ones and roll them out. And this week we've got Olivia from Naples, uh, I guess she could be Naples, Illinois, since the podcast could go anywhere. She could be Naples, Florida. She could be Naples, Italy, for all we know. So hmm. podcasts are worldwide. But either way, Olivia, here's your question. She says, my income will be different once I retire in a few months, Mike, so I'm not sure what I'm supposed to do about taxes. That's very fitting. Should I be making estimated payments every quarter? I don't know how much I should be paying since I'll be in a different tax bracket than I was in the past. Yeah. So, so Olivia, congratulations on the upcoming retirement. I think the, the the key thing that you do, and for those that don't know what estimated tax payments are, because most people are you know used to, you get a paycheck and they take taxes out. So they send them to the government on your behalf. And then when you file your taxes, you you know your W-2 says that they withheld taxes for you. When you get in retirement, it's not that simple. You are responsible for sending tax money in, whether you have the custodian in your IRA withhold it before they send you money, or whether you actually mail a check in or go online and pay your taxes in advance. That onus and that responsibility is up to you if you want to stay in good graces with the IRS. So, Olivia, really how I would answer this is, well, you know, if you need help, of course, we can help you on that or whoever you're working with on the investment side is making sure that you've built out what you call your retirement income plan. So, you know, we always talk about the retirement success blueprint being those five areas, taxes, healthcare, estate plan, risk, and retirement income. So, you know, one of those is the retirement income portion of that plan, that one fifth of the plan, which basically says, where is my income coming from? Not just is it coming from interest and dividends, growth, you know, stocks, bonds, those kind of things, but also which accounts is it coming from? So now you know what's taxable, what's not. You'll also know, like we talked about earlier in the show, is on your Social Security. Well, based on the sources that you're taking the other supplemental income, 
what else is taxable? How much of your Social Security may or may not be subject to taxes? Because once you get that income number, now we can back into, all right, well, this is what, you know, mocking up your tax return, this is what that looks like for you going forward. So this is how much we need to withhold either from Social Security, from your IRA and 401k distributions, or whether we should send estimated tax payments in on a quarterly basis on your behalf. So Olivia, you know, once again, congratulations on the upcoming retirement. Just make sure whoever you're working for has actually already gone through this on the tax side and the retirement income side, showing you which accounts the money's coming from, where it's coming from, and what your exact tax liability is going to be, just so you have confidence and clarity going forward. All right, folks. And as always, if you need help with those types of things or anything we cover here on the podcast, definitely reach out to a qualified professional like Michael Stewart and his team at Crystal Lake Tax and Financial. And you can find them online at crystallaketax.com. That's crystallaketax.com. Of course, anything we talk about here, you want to double check anyway, as we always mention, uh, just to make sure that you're seeing how it might benefit your unique situation. And they are here to help. If you need some, just reach out to them at crystallaketax.com. Mike, thanks for hanging out, my friend. I appreciate you. Hope you have a, a great remainder to February, and I'll see you early March. All right. We'll talk in the spring. Take care, Mark. We'll see you next time here on the Retirement Success Blueprint with Michael Stewart. Investment advisory services offered through Sound Income Strategies, LLC, an SEC-registered investment advisor. Crystal Lake Tax and Financial and Sound Income Strategies, LLC, are not associated entities. Crystal Lake Tax and Financial is a franchise of the Retirement Income Store. The Retirement Income Store and Sound Income Strategies, LLC, are associated entities.